Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 44. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And speaking of the fours, we're almost there. We are almost at Toy Story 4. Ah, good seg there. I had no idea where you were going. Really? <laughs> that was a softball. It's been a long day. Very true. We're almost there, though. The One of the most anticipated films, I'd say, of the last 10 years. Yeah, and you know what? After these past couple of viewings, I gotta say, I'm actually kind of excited for it now. It's, I'm not. This was a... No, this was a good lead-in... I, I've enjoyed revisiting all of these characters, and I kind of hate to admit that I do want more from them. I think, as we will discuss now, you know, we mentioned it last week that the story is so complete, but obviously now we will talk about the ending. I don't think story-wise we needed another one, but they're fun. I want to see another Buzz and Woody adventure. I don't care. Give me more. Yeah, I mean... Uh... We mentioned, I think we mentioned it last week. John Sakari from BigFatPanda.com. Uh, he said that it was really good. Um, and Brendan and Catherine over at uh, Detour to Neverland, they were, they actually just got back from a Disney trip and they saw, I think he said it was a 17 minute preview. I think they show the first 17 minutes of the movie. What is it? Where that, uh, that awful pirates thing used to be? No, I think it's at the end of One Man's Dream. But he said that um, even from what he saw, it looks like it's going to be really good. He He's excited for it. But, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you prefer a complete fourth movie or would you have rather seen this go to Disney Plus for like a weekly series of, oh, no, we're going to get thrown out? Uh, no, it's fine. I would have, uh, I'll be honest with you, I liked when they did the Halloween special. I, oh, I did I, like the Halloween special. I, I could have that. lived with a series of specials going to the streaming service. Their adventures focused on Bonnie. I would have been totally fine with that. I don't know. I feel like it would get a little stale doing the same thing every week. I mean, I would like to think that they're, you know, they have a creative enough team to pull it off where it wouldn't you know, it wouldn't be the exact same thing, but I just feel like with the context of the world we're in, there's only so much you can do with it. And it's funny that you mention that because this film oh, actually no. opens with... Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that something that they were doing that. No. Thank you. I was trying to get into the movie. Thank you very much. Okay, go. Okay, go thank you. The film opens with an action-packed reenactment of the first scene from uh, the original Toy Story with um, the reach for the sky and you're going to jail, Bart. But it turns out that it's actually a video of Andy who is now grown up and leaving for college, one of the home movies that his mom had made. Andy's toys are all but forgotten and they're all but gone at this point. Uh, they're forced to stay in Andy's old toy chest, uh, desperate to be played with. Um, the only ones who remain are Buzz, Woody, Slinky, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, Rex, Ham, Ham, 
and uh, the, aliens. the aliens, because even the Green Army men have decided they've had enough and they <laughs> they, they take go AWOL. Off. Yeah, they they go AWOL. It's actually it's a really funny scene. Um, so they're all preparing to go into the attic. Now, Andy puts everyone except Woody into a trash bag, which he intends on putting in the attic, much to the dismay of the other toys because they think they're being thrown in the garbage while Woody is put into a box headed towards the college. The bag is mistaken as trash by Mrs. Davis and is put by the curb. Yes, we actually find out that their last name is Davis. Emily Davis? Sure. Um, Believing that they were thrown away purposely, the toys jump into a donation box headed to Sunnyside Daycare so that they can be played with every day. Woody jumps in to talk them out of it, but Andy's mom shuts the car door uh, that the box is in um, because the box is in the car. She shuts the door and brings them to Sunnyside. Everyone except Woody is excited to go to daycare, and we meet Bonnie, the daughter of a daycare employee. The other toys at Sunnyside are excited to see the new toys arrive. We meet their uh, leader, Lotso, Lotso Huggin' Bear, as well as others such as Big Baby and Ken, who is immediately smitten with Barbie and vice versa. They are taken to the Caterpillar Room, but find out it is not how it seems. Meanwhile, Woody leaves to go find Andy. Basically, what they find out is that they have been thrown into a room for toddlers. They are not being played with nicely like the other toys are. So for them, it's very rough play, and it's kind of a nightmare. Um, After Woody leaves, he is found by Bonnie, who takes him home and plays with him properly. Buzz escapes the Caterpillar room to speak to Lotso, uh, but finds out the true motivation of some of the toys at Sunnyside, um, which is basically that they never intend on ever taking them out of the Caterpillar room. And in fact, they're taking bets on how long they last. And they're making jokes about them being garbage fodder. Now, Lotso tells Buzz, because now he's entered the room. He tells Buzz that um, only Buzz can come to the Butterfly room, but the rest must stay in the Caterpillar room. Because he's kind of taken aback by Buzz but he likes Buzz. He thinks there's a lot of potential there for him. Um, and he does the old, you guys have to go to the Caterpillar room because we're older toys and we can't withstand being played with that way. And and Buzz is actually kind of on board with it at first, but basically says that uh, he's not going anywhere without the others. And when he does that, they reset Buzz to his factory settings. Meanwhile, Mrs. Potato Head sees Andy and how upset he is when he finds out that the toys were thrown out. So they decide to leave and go home, but are stopped by uh, Buzz, who is no longer the old Buzz. He's lost his memory, and Barbie also sees Ken for what he is. Now, the reason why Mrs. Potato Head was able to see what was going on back at the house was because this entire time she has lost her eye. The eye was left, I think, under a dresser in Andy's room, and she kind of sees it as a blurred image, and that's when they find out that Woody was right the entire time and that he was telling the truth and that they were going to go to the attic and the entire thing was a mistake. Woody, meanwhile, tries to escape from Bonnie's and meets Chuckles, a clown who tells him about Lotso. Basically, 
uh, Big Baby, Chuckles, and Lotso had an owner that loved them, and while she was playing with them, she had fallen asleep, and they were left behind. They made their way back to the house, and Lotso found out that he had been replaced with another Lotso doll, and he flew off the handle, and he brought them to Sunnyside. Meanwhile, he was the only toy that got replaced. Um, so he kind of took it as a personal slight against him. Um, so after we find all this out, Woody sneaks back into Sunnyside to break his friends out, um, and they want to leave through a garbage chute. Basically, their plan is to go out with the trash, um, but rather than end up in a dumpster, they kind of just end up on the other side of the wall, for all intents and purposes, because Lotso has this place on lockdown. He's got security everywhere. Lotso is a supervillain. Make no mistake about it. He rules this place. It's crazy. Um, Barbie convinces Ken to let her out of the Caterpillar room. Um, Mr. Potato Head gets himself intentionally thrown into the box, which is basically a sandbox. You get tossed in there when you misbehave. While Woody and Slinky capture the surveillance monkey, one of the henchmen of Lotso. And they get a hold of Buzz's manual, and when they try to reset him back to his regular mode, they accidentally switch him into Spanish mode. Uh, they find their way to the trash chute, but are intercepted by Lotso. Woody exposes Lotso for what he is, and Big Baby, uh, who is another one of the henchmen we mentioned before, he was with Lotso the whole time, uh, throws Lotso in the dumpster, Um Eventually, Lotso grabs a hold of Woody and drags him in, and the rest end up in the dump truck after they try to save Woody. They end up at the dump and are pushed into an incinerator, but are rescued by the alien toys who use the quote-unquote claw. It's basically just a tool that they use in the dumps to move trash around. Um, they find their way back to Andy's house, get in the attic box while Woody gets in the college box, but he first leaves a note for Andy asking to donate the attic box to Bonnie. Um, he heads to Bonnie's house, and he hands the toys over one by one by one. Bonnie also finds Woody in the box and says, Oh, this is my cowboy doll. And Andy doesn't want to give Woody up, but he reluctantly does, and uh, they end up, finding a new home with Bonnie, and the film ends with what, at the time, was one of the more devastating endings to a Disney film. Andy's in his car, he's driving away to go to college, and Woody and the rest of them are watching on the porch, and the infamous line of, uh, so long, partner. And that's how the movie ends. And how a Toy Story ends, or so we thought. This is why... And look... I haven't seen the film yet. Enough people have seen the film or at least seen parts of the film and are saying, it's great, it's great, we want to see more. But because of the way that this ended, I just don't know that we need another one. And this is kind of why I'm not totally excited to see this next film. I mean, breaking the script down, right away, I have to say, I love the VHS tape opening because... The fact of the matter is, the film is not afraid to date itself, because most kids now would not know what a VHS tape is. They wouldn't know what a VCR is. So the film goes there, and immediately, 
you know that the movie is for the adults. I mean, make no mistake about it. It's an animated film. It's a children's movie. But it is, in fact, meant for the adult audience, the ones who grew up with this film from its initial release in the mid-90s. Yeah, I feel like the video game open for Toy Story 2 was a better fake-out, but this was much more poignant and much more fitting of the whole film. I mean, granted, in the second one, you know, you had Buzz battling Zerg, and that did come into play later on, so it was a good setup, but this one was so much better because... um, it was definitely more emotional. Um, you know, obviously it shows what the family is dealing with because now Andy's ready to go off to college. But um, I like that it also showed him playing with the rest of the toys more because it's always been about Buzz and Woody. But all of these home movies were about him playing with these these toys as if they were a whole set. Right. And I think what I enjoy most about the beginning of this film um, is that you actually see the world and the games and the stories that Andy created in his mind. That's why it's so exaggerated, because this this is him. This is what he's created. So it's the first time, other than watching him play with the toys, it's the first time, and actually it's the only time, that we have actually seen the world that Andy created in his mind. Andy's version of the Hundred Acre Wood, really. That's a really great comparison. Yeah, because to this point, all we've seen is, you know, the little boxes with the hand-drawn Western town, which are cute. But like now we, yeah, we actually get to see what's going on in his head. And I like that even, you know, the aliens, which he acquired later on, Mrs. Potato Head, like there was a place for all of them. Um, And I think that was important because the entire time, obviously, Buzz and Woody are our heroes. Uh, you know, they're they're the two leads, but they've always been at the forefront because they were Andy's favorites. But this showed how much she really loved all of them together. And, um, you know, it it really builds up that sucker punch for you, because the next thing that happens where they do the cell phone bit just to get him to look at them. That's Jeez. right. Yeah, they took Andy's cell phone and they put it in the toy chest and then they had a landline phone and they called Andy's cell phone just so that he would be forced to open the toy chest and look at them. They were hoping he would play with them. Yeah, and Rex is like clutching something that he pulls out and he's like, he held me, he actually held me. It's That's a pretty rough scene. It is. Uh, I mentioned before, Andy Davis, we now know his name, Um it's quickly on like a cork board in his bedroom. It was like some sort of certificate or award. Was it the college acceptance? Maybe. Or the high school. I don't think it was his diploma. It wasn't framed. It was just tacked to the board. Either way, we finally have a first and last name. I'm wondering if that eventually comes into play. Or maybe they just kind of gave us some closure. Could be. Um the scene where they're being thrown in the trash bag. At first, I remember being totally startled the first time I saw this movie, not knowing that he was putting them in the attic. I I couldn't believe that he was actually pulling the trigger and getting rid of them. And I thought maybe that's what was setting the movie up, was that he was kind of angsty teenager 
and this is too cool for school. And he was sort of annoyed to begin with that his mom was asking him to clean out his room. So the easy answer was, just throw it all away. I want to be done with this. And I just want to go to college and have fun. Right, because he even says to her, oh, it's just junk. But I think that was just kind of uh, him putting up a front for everything that he's dealing with because it is emotional. It's not just giving away his toys. It's that he's leaving home. Uh, But no, you're right. That could have been the whole movie is that Woody is trying to save them because they were thrown out. Um, Can we talk about how once again, Andy's mother is horrible. I said in our review of Toy Story 2, she's lost her mind because she's leaving kids in the car. She's just not with it. But I think she's being kind of harsh because she says anything that you don't donate or take to college, I'm throwing out. Like he's not going to be home for Christmas and summer. Like how far is he going? I wouldn't even be surprised if he was commuting to school. Right. And and it's like maybe he wants to keep these, you know, childhood memories, these keepsakes of his, but he's not going to bring them to a dorm room. Sure. Yeah, just to leave it. I mean, that's it. Buzz is an action figure. You could kind of have that on display in your room without it being childish. If you don't take them down and play with it, you could just kind of leave it out. Yeah. It didn't bother me as much, but you kind of felt like I was jumping to a conclusion. But I suppose um, they had to set the story up somehow. I just think it was a very Emily thing of her to do. Yes, you are so convinced that, that this is for real. No, like, Victoria and Albert's aside, I'm seriously going to be upset if they don't deliver on this. I'm so invested in this idea. All right, so at the end of the episode, I want us to give predictions for what we think happens in Toy Story 4. Okay. Maybe that's how we close this one out. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so, uh, um, Woody, when he wants to save the rest of them, calls for Buster. Yeah. And we sort of have differing opinions on this. We have very differing opinions on this, and I'm surprised at yours. Why? Because I love dogs so much? Yeah. I don't think old Buster is that sad. I It kind of it breaks my heart. I said it to you when we watched the film last night. I like the fact that they stuck with the timeline. And I like the fact that Buster is still in the movie. That's true. This could have been a lot worse. But you're right. This was Buster I mean, is kind of just like gray and out of shape and just like, oh, leave me alone, Woody. Yeah. Um, no, and they don't make him like old and sick, you know. He's it's, not limping. He's just fat. Yeah. And, and it, He's but just tired. It's, but it's comic relief. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, obviously I I appreciate that they left him in and they didn't kill him off because that's worse than like killing a parent off, in my opinion. Right. Um, But it was just a really clever way to show the passage We just got taken out of the will, by the way. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, Congratulations, Brian. You got it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it was a really clever way to show the passage of time because obviously we have college, college, college being shoved down our throats and we see that Molly is a little tween now. She's even asked to get rid of things and she clears out her room. Um, but that was, I mean, that was, again, it was a clever touch just to show that she's she's getting older too now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so far up to this point, I like the timeline. I like where the movie's going. Strong setup on this one, yeah. Yeah, really good. Uh, anything about this getting played out, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm sort of over the whole... Uh, 
come on, guys. Like Woody having to like convince them to not do something. And ha- I mean, I understand that's his that's his personality. He's, he's got to be the hero. But but no, but Andy needs us, guys. It it does get a little played out at this point. Um a little bit. I'm wondering if you feel that way because we've done these three back to back. I don't think it was something that I ever noticed, you know, if we're going by the release, you know, having space between years between these movies coming out. Um, I get it. You're you're more of a buzz guy anyway. Um, but I mean, I don't know what he's what he's always got to be the hero and I, that's kind of where the conflict comes from is because they're all ready to accept their fate. You know, Buzz is saying uh, before they decide to go to Sunnyside, he's saying, you know, we're all we're all in this together. We're going to go to the attic. And Buzz is looking at it like a retirement. And he's like, as long as we're together, we're cool. There's the old TV up there. We'll be fine. And then even once they get to Sunnyside, Jesse's really excited about the idea of being constantly played with and never having to worry about the kid growing up again and leaving them behind. Right. And because Woody we is know still where thing. Andy's toys. We have to get back to him. Right. So I will give you that there. It kind of annoys me because it's like, how many times do you think like, wh- I, I mean, Andy did choose you to bring to college. So I guess that's why he's not seeing it as much, but like how, how many times are you going to go back to him? Right. And he doesn't accept that the rest of them are, don't want to go to the attic. They don't want to not be played with. I mean, they are toys. Their purpose is to be played with. So uh, I, I I see both sides of it. I just feel like it was played out. I don't know. I Because it also sets up another really interesting dynamic um, that Woody's main concern is still Andy. It's always going to be Andy. But what I really like is how Buzz stepped up and made it more about them being a family and keeping them together. Yeah. So it gives Buzz more of a leadership quality than he's had before. Yeah, I think so. It's almost as if he's trying to assume the Woody role because Woody's now gone. Right. He's going to go to college. He's not there anymore. Right. So, yeah, certainly an interesting dynamic because now there's there's a shift not only in their relationship, but also in that social hierarchy. Right. You know, that they've been so accustomed to. Um, I think the, I think the setting of Sunnyside is great. I love, I love how Lotso has that place run like, you know, a well-oiled machine in such a totalitarian way. I think that you needed to find a villain in this film. And I think that he is the perfect villain and he almost does it in like i I, i'm I'm not trying to make light of a tragedy but he's almost got it in like this david koresh sort of way like very cultish yeah i was i was almost thinking like hannibal lecter not not a cult but he just reminds me of that very like 
calming, even though you're doing these horrible things. He's just very calm and weirdly engaging, but especially the way that they set up Sunnyside. Like it's this, you know, we've got all the batteries that you could want and we restuff you and massage you. And it is almost set up, you know, I know I said it before, like Buzz is ready to retire, but this is almost like a retirement community. And they think that's what it's going to be. And they're just going to be played with all day long nicely. Yeah. And I, I, I love the, I love the notion that they are basically saving themselves by staying in the butterfly room, sending the new ones to be destroyed in the caterpillar room, but also finding the ones most desperate to get out that they can continue to like expand their group. It's very Walking Dead, isn't it? In many ways. Yeah. No, but it it also it reinforces the theme that's carried out through the three movies is that the toys want to do their job. They want to be played with and they're trying to especially that they're getting so much wear and tear. They're trying to prolong their existence. Yeah. So they're sending the noobs to the wolves. I like the um I like the introduction of Ken into this movie. That's so great. Because I just love Ken and Barbie together in this movie and sort of the little adult innuendos, like nice ascot. Yeah. I just, I, I thought that it was really funny. And I remember seeing it in the trailer and thinking it was going to be a little cheesy. But the way they do it is absolutely perfect. And I love how Metro Ken is and how he is like so in denial of the fact that he is actually a girl's toy and how the rest of the toys do not respect him for it. At all. Yeah. What they did with Ken is actually, it's like truly fascinating to me because he loves playing dress up. But at the same time, he's he's like Lotso's right hand. He executes all the bad things that he does. Well, really, Big Baby is probably more the right hand. He's the muscle. Big Baby's the muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And Ken actually has to do the dirty work. Well, Ken is the mouthpiece because Big Baby is, in fact, a baby. Can't speak for himself. True. Speaking of mouthpiece, the casting. Yeah. Amazing. Least likely suspect, but it just all works together in one total package. Michael Keaton plays Ken, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. I like the fact that they planted some subtle things in here, too. Like, there's one kid that's wearing a Lightning McQueen shirt. Um, oh, missed that. Mm-hmm. And I also want to point out uh, Sid the Trash Man. I don't know if that's Sid or what that is, but they have the Trash Man. He's got... You know, the sunglasses on, he's got the heavy metal music playing through his iPod, but he's got that skull shirt on. And I've kind of wondered if that's their way of saying that Sid grew up to be a garbage man. No offense to the garbage men that are listening, but that's what that's what Sid Sid, you have arrived. You are a trash man. I I think there's a strong case for that because that is like his signature skull and cross or not not crossbones, but the skull shirt. Yeah. Um I don't know. I would have liked to see. Well, no, you know what? We're going to hold that for the end of the episode because that actually was one of my predictions that I've had in the back of my mind. Yes. Um, I, uh, I love, I love Rickles in this movie. Don Rickles, Mm. potato head. I love, he's still a smart Alec and he still has, you know, lines like you ascot wearing pink noser when he's talking (laughs) to Ken. Yeah. You know, I, I just, 
he he's very much the same. I mean, I guess that's the thing. In spite of the fact that I do feel like the Woody storyline is kind of played out, there's a level of comfort there because these characters really are the same. They haven't really changed. Buzz is assuming his role as leader and leading the charge to let's go to the attic and then leading the charge to let's go to Sunnyside because, as he said, our mission to Andy is complete. Yes. Jesse is... Jesse's a selfish character. Yeah. I mean, I understand she's got one of the most tragic backstories. She's got issues. In in a Disney movie, certainly in the Disney universe. But at the end of the day, she's selfish. She wants to be front and center. She wants to be played with. She wants to be gawked at. To be fair, though, I think part of that is that the way Woody always thinks of himself as Andy's toy, I think she's always going to see herself as Emily's. So she doesn't have that much of a loyalty to Andy or anyone now for that matter. I see a lot of Lotso in Jesse. And to be honest with you, I think that's where the movie failed. I like the whole... First off, Spanish Buzz makes the movie. Yes. Spanish Buzz is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. In a Disney film. Nene, in cinema. It's <laughs> yeah. it's one of the best things in cinema. However, while that's very funny, I think if Lotso would have targeted Jesse, who would have made a conscious decision wow. to do this, because they would have felt that connection. She's an easier sell. She's an easy sell. She's an easy target. And it would have been very believable. Not that resetting Buzz wasn't, but similarly, you reset Buzz. Now we've got Buzz from the first movie. Again, it's, it's sort of a retread. I would have rather him targeted Jesse. I'll, I'll give you that 100%. I could live in that world. However, Spanish Buzz is just so funny. It's just such a great bit of comic relief. But you are absolutely right about that is that how how many times are we going to see it reinforced that Buzz is a toy? Buzz knows that now. You know, you didn't have to knock him down another peg by resetting him. But I mean, the the Spanish thing it it it's such an obvious choice, but it's just so brilliant. Yeah, and I like um, you know this that he's so suave too because otherwise he can hardly talk to Jesse and he's got a crush on her. Yeah. Of all the things, as weird as it is, that's the one thing that doesn't bother me or seem played out. But I guess it's because we only saw that in Toy Story 2. So it's not like we've seen this three times now. The whole love triangle, or not the love triangle, but the love interest thing between Buzz and Jesse. And it is funny how she... like. Obviously, she's got a thing for Buzz. We know that already. But watching her kind of swoon over him because he's salsa dancing and he's talking to her in the seductive Spanish accent, it, it's hysterical. And it delivers in the end on the adult humor, yes. too. There's that one more line when she says to Woody, she's like, don't worry, I know how to reset his Spanish mode or something. Right, because Woody's like... Um, you know, I, I hope you guys don't get too bored in the attic. And she was like, I know how to set him into Spanish. Yeah, yeah it was really funny. It's really good. Um, Big Baby's lazy eye is totally unnerving. <laughs> and it makes this otherwise imposing character 
seem that much scarier. Yeah. I mean, that that we've told the story on the show before that I couldn't deal with Teddy Ruxpin having only one eye. So that definitely bothers me. Yeah. Before we kind of move on towards the end of the movie, you got anything else that's noteworthy for you? Anything that stood out? Um, well, a couple of things. We haven't gotten to the big meat and potato scene, but um, the the playtime nightmare, I think, was really well done, where they're in the caterpillar room and the kids come in and all hell breaks loose. Um I just, I don't know, maybe it hits home with me a little bit because I used to work at a Chuck E. Cheese, so I'm very well aware of what it's like to have screaming children running amok like that. But just the way that they did it from the, and they cut back and forth to the, t- the toy POV where you're getting, you know, what Buzz is seeing as he's being used as a hammer on a playset, and Mr. Potato Head is being shoved into various orifices and... You know, they're just being completely mistreated. And I, I can, like, feel the stickiness all over these toys. Mm-hmm. So I think they just did a really, really good job of that. Um, we, I mean, we have to talk about the incinerator scene. Because for as brutal as So Long Partner is, I think this is just as bad in some ways worse um, you know, here's the thing. We're watching a Disney movie. I remember seeing this in theaters and you know that they're going to be okay. We're not going to watch our favorite toys burn. Certainly not all of them in one fell swoop. But, um, you know, prior to that, Lotso double crosses them. And I like how Lotso's story ends and they, uh, he gets what's coming. Yeah, he get he definitely gets what's coming to them. Yeah. They strap him to the front of the dump truck. Right. We've all seen that. We've all seen the big trucks with a stuffed animal strapped to the front of it. I, that hysterical. was pretty clever that, that that's how, where he ended up. Cause they could have just left them to rot in the dumpster, but that, that was a more fitting ending, I think. Uh, but anyway, you know, they're, the toys are all headed for it. And, um, I think it's just such a powerful scene and it's before they all even before they all start holding hands is when Jesse looks at Buzz and she's like, what do we do? And it was almost even more perfect than asking Woody because Buzz has been the big hero all the time. I mean, Woody has two in his own right, but this is Buzz Lightyear, this, you know, super action figure. And I love that Buzz doesn't even say anything. And I feel like it's just such a powerful moment for the story, but it also shows how far the technology came with this animation because there's a look, not even on his face, there is a look in his eyes that they achieved where it just shows how hopeless the situation is. And, um, you know, th- this scene just, it stays with me now. Even rewatching it, even knowing what's going to happen, even like watching it in the theater and knowing that they were going to be okay. I was sobbing in the theater when this happened just because I couldn't believe how far to the edge they actually bought them. It's it's a harsh visual. That's what it is. Because you're right. You know they're going to come out on it okay. Um, oh, I agree. I remember my eyes were welling up because I just, I didn't want to see characters that I cared about that much in that situation facing a, a horrible mortality i thought if anything that may be where they lost somebody 
And that's how they were really going to sting you. Um, but yeah, just that, that moment where they're all holding hands and they're prepared to go out together. It's just, I mean, to me, that's, that's one of the set. I think, I think this is what really set up Pixar's penchant for, for just really hammering the nail in. Um, and what I really like too, is that they deliver on the claw. Yes. So yeah, as far as rewatchability goes, even though I know what's going to happen, I feel like the scene bothers me more now than the actual last line. Okay. And you know, when we left the theater after seeing this, the last night, the last line made me snot cry. So it, it still gets me, but I don't know why this is still the more powerful scene for me. Hmm. I think it's the hard visual, as I mentioned before. I think the end of the film is perfect. Watching Andy play again, that's when I started to get choked up. It, it didn't even upset me so much when he was handing the toys over to Bonnie. But I like that they did that. Yeah. He didn't just hand them over. He introduced them one by one and showed what they all meant to him. Right. Watching him play again, that's, that's what got me. And then So Long Partner, absolutely heart-wrenching. And that's, that's what kind of did me in at the end of that movie. Well, you know what I realized, too, is that it's not just about So Long Partner. Andy also says, thanks, guys. And what I only realized now watching it is that, you know, think about what Andy's been through in his life. I mean, granted, we've spent only a little bit of time with him. He's being raised by a single mom, so he doesn't have a father figure that we know of. Uh, you know, they never introduced anyone that his mother was dating. Um, so he definitely doesn't have that relationship. And, you know, they went through a big move. Now, granted, in the Toy Story world, we're still in that tri-county area. But, I mean, I think you have to assume that Andy switched schools. So these toys, and not just Buzz and Woody, the whole group of them were his constants. And I think that that's why he's hung on to all of them for so long and doesn't really want to part with them. So to see him play with them for one last time, I mean, that that's where it hit home a lot too, where I got those real growing pains because it it's like, yeah, this is, this is your last time. So just kind of enjoy it for what it is and then you kind of have to move on and grow up. Yeah, and I think that it's something that everybody of our generation can appreciate, especially because our generation grew up with this movie and we all had to grow up and grow on and move on from our toys. And I think that that's certainly, you know, something that struck a lot of chords with a lot of people. I will say, though, that it's my opinion, at least, um, that... The incinerator scene and so long partner don't hold the same emotional response as they did the first time that I saw it. I will cry at the end of Field of Dreams every time I watch it. I will cry at the end of Miracle every time I watch it. This movie, uh, maybe because they've made so many memes out of so long partner and all the other nonsense. I'm a little I, desensitized to it. I also think that what you saw between the incinerator and then it, it's backed up by So Long Partner, it's so jarring and it's so upsetting that after you know it's coming and you've seen it, it just doesn't hold up anymore. 
in terms of an emotional response. I'll go so far as to say that I do think that this was the perfect end to this story. Um, but with that said, I just don't think that portion of the film holds up anymore. After you've seen it a couple of times, I just don't think it strikes the chord anymore. Yeah, I think So Long Partner only had the shock value for the once. This, like I said before, I'll still get a lump in my throat when I see the incinerator scene. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the emotion that I have watching the last scene now is more about my own nostalgia than Andy saying goodbye to the toys. Like, I'll put it to you this way. I have yet to make it through Coco without crying. at the, And I mean, like, sobbing at the end of that movie for, like, the last 10 minutes. Um this I sobbed on the first time, and now I get sad, but it it doesn't quite strike that same chord. Right. Um, you mentioned the cast before. You mentioned the casting of Michael Keaton, and of course he's great. I love Mr. Pricklepants, also <laughs> known as Timothy, Timothy Dalton. Dalton. I am a Timothy Dalton fan. I have mentioned Fanatic, on this show that I, I love, I loved the James Bond films. I love his James Bond films. I feel like if you've never seen them, you should go watch them. They get a bad rep, but I think they're really good. I loved him in, um, oh, Hot Fuzz. That was the movie. I thought you were going to say Beautician and the Beast. <laughs> I do not love Beautician and the Beast. And it, I, I hurt for Timothy Dalton <laughs> that he had to do that film. I'm just saying. Why do you say that? You just answered the question for me, and I thank you. If there's one thing about the 90s that I do not miss, I've, other than Limp Biscuit, it's <laughs> Fran Tresher. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But I guess to each his own. That is one of your guilty pleasure films. It is. It definitely is. I like Beautician and the Beast. Anyway... Um, I like that whole group of Bond toys. Dalton is good in that movie, though. Yeah, there. Uh, okay, there's something redeeming about it. Well, it's got Timothy Dalton in it. I like the whole uh, dynamic of Bonnie's toys because there's not a lot of them, and I love how they're like we do a little a lot of improv here, and they're just like very happy, very peaceful. There's not that panic of what's going to happen when she grows. Because that's the other thing, where we said Woody's kind of beating a dead horse a little bit. Is that all right? Maybe that was in poor taste. Sorry, Bullseye. But um, there's not that, like, constant paranoia in this group. Yeah, they are, collectively, they're the most neurotic group of anything you'll ever see. Right, because Woody's always afraid of what's going to happen when they're not with Andy. And then Rex just manifests on that. He, he manifests that. It's... He's already neurotic enough to begin with, and he makes it 10 times worse. Some of them do have a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy thing going on. Yes. Um, Rex, Jesse, a little bit of Woody. But, yeah, they kind of have it. Oh, uh, Ham, Potato Head. Well, I think that's what makes the garbage scene so powerful, too, is that this whole time they've talked about it, but now they're facing their actual fear. They keep talking about what happens when we're not with Andy anymore, but yes, the fear is being thrown out, but they're only thinking about it in terms of Andy, not what being thrown out actually means. Yeah. Um, but 
uh, Jody Benson as Barbie. I really like that. I like that she got a lot more speaking lines, too. Yeah, it was good to see her again. Obviously, for, for so many reasons, Disney loves her. Ned Beatty as yeah. Lotso was outstanding. I mean, he's a talented actor anyway, but he was so good in this role. I love how they gave him that southern drawl. It just really added to that like retirement atmosphere and it, it, for, for the twist of the character, too, because he's so calming and then that voice becomes so evil. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Garland is in it, and I just like Jeff Garland and basically everything that he's in. We're big fans of the Goldbergs, so to see him in this is good. Bonnie Hunt. You know, there's just, like, so many, Whoopi like... Goldberg. Yeah, there's a lot of just... There are actors and actresses that were of their time, mm-hmm. and it was perfect to cast them in this movie because this movie, this trilogy really started when they were all big names. I was going to say, it's it's kind of a 90s fest. I mean, obviously, yeah. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, but yeah, Michael Keaton, huge in the 90s. Whoopi Goldberg, same thing. Uh, Bonnie Hunt was in Jumanji, which, you know, was huge in the 90s. Even Blake Clark. Yeah. Big in the water boy, big on Boy Meets World. And I have to say, did a really nice job as Slinky. Um, sounds a lot like Jim Varney, but they were friends, and it meant a lot to him to take this role on obviously you can tell it's not the same actor but it's not it's not so jarring that you're taken out of it and i thought he did a really nice job with a character who was already iconic because because slinky is that's the thing make no mistake about it all of these characters are iconic Mm -hmm. so to sort of you know take that on it's you know it's kind of a passing of the torch for unfortunate circumstances but to take it, run with it, I thought he was excellent. And it wasn't something where he only had a couple of lines and they sort of like made him a background character to hide the fact that it was no longer Jim Varney. He plays a big role in this movie. He's still Woody's right-hand man almost more than Buzz. Because, Absolutely. Bu- because Woody and Slinky, are ha- they had that relationship built in the first film before Buzz was even there. And I, I do like that that's carried over into the third movie. Especially now, even with Bullseye in the picture, Slink is still his go-to. Yeah, it's still his buddy. Um, yeah, no, but I, I don't think kids would notice the change in the voice. I think we notice it more because we know the two different actors, but I think it was a nice tribute to Jim Varney. Definitely. Good to see Randy Newman back. Um, he only really had the one song in the movie, We Belong Together. Um. But it was just nice to hear that familiar voice because we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. The music in these films are so unique. They don't sound anything like any other Disney film. And I sort of like the fact that they sort of brought the gang back together as they were supposed to conclude this storyline. You know what? I like that uh, they, they also stuck with You've Got a Friend in Me. They could yes. have easily done another song, but I'm glad that, you know, it didn't really feel repetitive at all. It just kind of felt full circle. I agree. So I don't I don't think it really needed anything else. And then they do it in Spanish at the end with Spanish buzz. So they really deliver on it. Yes. And that was funny. Yeah. Um, in conclusion, I think, um, I, f- I believe that of the three of them, this movie, in my opinion, has the least rewatchability. I think that the shock value 
is worn down after a few viewings, as I mentioned before. But with that said, it's still a good movie. It is still a most perfect ending. And I dare say that this is Disney's best trilogy. Hands down the best trilogy. Um, And for as much of a fan as I am of Pirates, I still think this is a stronger trilogy. I think the stories are better. However, I kind of disagree with you on the watchability front. Um, I think this has just me just as much rewatchability as the first two. Uh, I think there's more adult humor in this one. And I don't know that the shock value, I mean, it, it wears down, but I think just for the nostalgia, especially because Toy Story is something that we grew up on and it has now come out so long ago. I think for that reason, it's still sad to me because it's not just the nostalgia of the growing pains that you have as you're watching these movies, but I'm nostalgic for the franchise, which is why I've kind of changed my tune a little bit with regard to Toy Story 4. Um, I just, I will say of the three of them though, this is the weakest film. It's got a very strong setup. It's got a very strong ending, but the middle it just kind of sags a little bit with them splitting up from Woody and then having to escape. I kind of feel like that could have happened anywhere. Um, like I feel like Al's toy barn was so much more engaging to have them running rampant through there trying to save Woody than this was trying to bust out of the daycare. I, I like the daycare idea though. I think that was smart because it just shows like another facet of how you play with toys. Um, but it just, I don't know, that part just isn't as engaging to me. And especially when you compare, if we're just comparing it to the first one, there is not a wasted piece of dialogue in that movie. Every single thing drives that movie forward and something is always happening. And even if it doesn't seem like it, it's cause and effect. They will set up something that happens later. This movie lacks that. I agree. I like their motivation for wanting to go to Sunnyside, sure. but you're right. Um, and, and certainly you're right about there being some dead dialogue that doesn't really go anywhere. So suffice to say, you and I would probably rank the three films, one, two, and three, as one, two, and three in, in order of best to not as good. Sure. Honestly, I hope after next week we're we're saying one, four, two, three. I, I hope it's that good. I hope it knocks my socks off. I just think that the first one was so innovative and it is so special that I just don't see them making another one that could ever be as good. It's kind of like Wreck It Ralph and the sequel. We we did Wreck It Ralph on the show, but we haven't gotten to the sequel yet. But that was we'll kind of how it. I felt after seeing that one is that it when something is just that innovative no matter what you do it's not that it's bad it it just doesn't live up i have to watch it again but if we're comparing like the wreck it ralph films to these and of course there's only two ralph movies i would go so far as to say that ralph breaks the internet was not as good as toy story 2 but was better than toy story 3 i would agree with you there Whereas you have um, a franchise like The Incredibles, where I think 
as two movies, let's let's eliminate Toy Story three. If you take The Incredibles one and The Incredibles two, versus Ralph one, you know, Wreck It Ralph and Ralph Breaks the Internet versus Toy Story one, Toy Story two, of those three franchises, you want to talk about strong first and second movies. The Incredibles might have the edge. Might have the edge. When they I'm talking took about their two, time with it and it showed. Because I'm talking about two films. The first Toy Story movie is better than any of the films in those other franchises. It's an outlier to the point where you almost... That's why I'm saying two together. But, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a tough call there. It's a tough call. And we'll, we'll give all of them the monorail treatment eventually. But just to sort of put it into perspective as to where I kind of put this trilogy in, in its totality. No, you know what's weird about that too is that because they were so smart about the passage of time, like where they put Andy and Molly at this stage of their life. I mean, yeah, you would have no movie if, if Andy wasn't going off to college, but like that was smart to do it in real time. Um, yes. But I still, I still think one and two are better. Yeah, I would agree. What are your predictions? So, nobody spoiled anything for me, which I appreciate. Um, it is my understanding that there are tears coming at the end of the movie. The amount of tears that come, it kind of seems like it's up to that person. Everybody's going to view the end of this movie a little differently. I don't think they will ever kill a character off in this franchise. They didn't do it in the third one. I don't see them doing it now. What I think is going to happen is um, I think Woody is going to tear his arm again. And I think that he's going to stay in the antique shop with Bo Peep. Because we find out that Bo's, Bo's in an antique shop. We know this. I think she convinces him to stay. And I think the rest of them go their separate ways. I think Woody I think Woody hangs it up. Well, again, we're just going off the off the trailer here. Um I don't know that we have a passage of time in this one because we do see Bonnie in the trailer. Uh that could very well be a flashback. We could, you know, what I think and kind of what I would like to see happen, and I'm only kind of piecing this together now. Um, I, I think that is a flashback of Bonnie. I think they're going to stick with the passage of time. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe Bonnie has outgrown the toys and that's why they're no longer with her. And maybe they do realize that they don't want to go through this all over again. Um, now, mind you, we haven't read anything about the plot of this film. I, nothing. We're going off of what we've and seen I in the And I think I've seen the trailer like three times. I haven't really watched it a lot. Um, I think there's a very good possibility that they end up in the antique shop like they had initially planned in the second one, and they decide to maybe just be display items. Woody, Jesse, Bullseye, and it would be kind of cool if they find a prospect, a prospector who's not a lunatic, and they come as a set now. I could kind of see that happening uh what i would really love is for maybe andy to get them back and now he's got a family and he's got kids um 
And one of the big things I was thinking, and this is what I've been thinking about the whole time. Uh, I hope we see Sid again. I know you said he, you think that he's the garbage man, but I would also like to see him work in the carnival uh, or the antique shop. I don't. Well, actually, no. That that was my other my other train of thought is that I would like to see Sid doing something, probably not with toys, but I I would love it if he was so traumatized by um, by the events of the first film when when Buzz, when Woody turns his head and says, "So play nice." Thank you. Play nice. I was trying to think of the exact line. Yeah, I'm hoping that he's either like, maybe that's it. Maybe he's not making toys. Maybe he's making video games because he he wants to do something for kids and he wants to redeem himself, but he can't deal with the toys. Um, So with that said, yeah, I think we can rule out that he's working in the antique shop because they have dummies and those are going to mess me up big time. I can tell you that right now. so I doubt that he's going to be working with anything like that. Um, but yeah, I would, that's kind of what got me thinking about it is um, the daycare. Like I could see Sid doing something like that with kids, but like removed from toys. Interesting. And But I want to see Sid again. I, I hope that they, they kind of draw something out of his storyline. We'd like to know what your predictions are for the movie. You can let us know on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. News this week, Disney has finally been zoned to do their Marvel Land expansion in California, taking the place of a Bugs Land. Um, When we were there, they were doing construction, and they still had some of the signage up for a Bugs Land. But it had it had long since closed. I think they closed it in August. We were there in November. I know. I kind of wish we had gotten to see it. I just want to make that perfectly clear, though, because I've seen some articles. This is not another gate. It is not another park. And if you believe that, you've clearly not been to Disneyland. There is no room. You tell me where they're going to put another park. <laughs> they're going to knock the Denny's down <laughs> and, and build, build a gate. That's really but all you got. Literally a gate. You could maybe build Stark Tower on that property but it, it's got to go up because that's all that there's room for um no that that's that's it it's it's a land there's no other park i think maybe florida one day could easily have a marvel park but i don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon and i think everybody's got to calm down saying that there's another one coming yes if if orlando were to ever get a fifth gate if they were ever to get a marvel park and you wanted to go visit it, I think I have the person who can get you there. Yes, either DM me on our social media or shoot me an email at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at magicalvacationplanner.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.